0: Hello, and welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm Richard Lane, and it's Wednesday, February the 17th. And today, The Lancet Infectious Diseases publishes a very important paper about Zika virus, which, of course, we know is now a matter of international health concern, announced by the World Health Organization at the beginning of this month. And I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Filippes, who is one of the authors of a paper published in The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Actually, it's sort of a case report, really, or two case reports, isn't it, Dr. Uh, Dr. De Felipes. before we go into the details of that, can I ask you just to introduce yourself, please?
1: I'm a virologist. I'm working on virology field for about thirty years. I started working with the, uh, enterovirus mainly with poliovirus. I work in the uh, pod elimination program uh, to the Americas and then I moved to the flavivirus and the arbovirus in general. I worked uh, for many years uh, mainly with yellow fever and dengue. I reassumed my, my post at the flavivirus laboratory and Cruz, Oswaldo Cruz Foundation at the uh, Fundação Oswaldo Cruz in Rio de Janeiro. In this institute, uh, we have uh, many uh, research lines, you no, know, many different laboratories, and one of these laboratories is my laboratory, that is flavivirus laboratory.
0: How recently have you been working on the Zika virus? Because this is obviously a rapidly emerging health problem. So, how long have you been working on Zika?
1: We started the uh, work on Zika on uh, April. 2015, because uh, we started to to see a disease, a dengue-like uh, disease, mild disease, not like dengue. Most of the cases were uh, more more uh, in Bahia, that is in the northeast of the country. A colleague from the University of Bahia, on the Federal University of Bahia, they described it for the first time. They confirmed the, the, uh, that this. Uh, dengue-like symptoms were caused by Zika virus. The beginning of May uh, 2015, we started to detect the first cases here in Rio de Janeiro. We never stopped. And uh, the the virus circulated all over the year, beginning in May up to now. My laboratory is a reference laboratory, regional reference laboratory to the Ministry of Health in, in Brazil, and we receive samples from other states from the from the country.
0: Thank you very much. And just specifically on the paper published in the Lancet Infectious Diseases, this concerns really two case studies, doesn't it, of two pregnant women whose fetuses were identified by ultrasound to have microcephaly but what you did is you actually detected the virus, didn't you, in the amniotic fluid of those two pregnant women whose fetuses had microcephaly, is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. We were contacted by a physician, a neurologist from Paraíba, it is a state in the northeast of Brazil. And she asked me if I, have, uh, I had experience on detection of, uh, of the virus in aminotic fluid. And I explained to her that uh, this is, uh, was not a common uh, perfil of the flavivirus, but, well, we could receive this, the samples. And uh, so she uh, uh, sent the samples uh, to my laboratory and uh, we performed the, the uh, uh, PCR, in uh, real-time PCR, in this, in this specimen. She, I asked her to send also uh, urine and uh, sera from the, the pregnant, as well as the amniotic fluid. And so we tested all this, the specimens. And uh, for my surprise and from, uh, for the, my, my, the, the team or the group in my, from my laboratory, it was uh, positive um, um, only in the amniotic fluids, not in urine and either in sera, but only in the amniotic fluids. And so we repeated it exhaustively, exhaustively, uh, because we needed to be sure that uh, it was uh, uh, not uh, false positive. We sequenced. We did the, in the in the beginning. We only did the partial sequencing of the the genome of the virus, and we confirmed that it was uh, Asian lineage. Then. We decided to sequence the whole genome, and this this resulted in the the publication.
0: And just on the virus, when you started the virus, you were able to prove, weren't you, that the virus, the same virus that was present in the French Polynesian Zika virus of 2013?
1: Yes. In the first uh, uh, moment, no. We only uh, confirmed that uh, uh, there was a homology, with the uh, uh, strains that were deposited in gene bank and of course that uh, uh, there was some homology with the french polynesia and also from uh, micronesia and only after uh, to sequence the whole genome we we confirmed that this virus was exactly uh, the, the similarity was uh, 97% to 100% uh, with the strain that circulated in the French Polynesia.
0: What do you think these findings mean? Obviously, we need much more research. We know that this finding about Zika crossing the placental barrier does not mean that Zika has caused the microcephaly in the unborn children. We we have to be very careful. We, we know we're not yeah. talking about a cause here. What do you think your result means in terms of our understanding, our growing understanding of this possible link between Zika virus and microcephaly?
1: few cases, no, uh, uh, microcephaly cases, that we confirmed the, the presence of the, the virus in the babies. We need more data, more more, more studies to make sure that uh, only Zika is responsible for these microcephaly cases. Another question is, which, which factors are giving the opportunity, let's say like this, uh, that the uh, virus is invading? the placental barrier, but I think that this, this finding in the amniotic fluids are pointing yeah, to the direction that Zika has a very important role in these microcephaly cases. Maybe there is other facts.
0: It's not as simple yes, as yes, saying yes, Zika, we're not, we're not saying yes, Zika causes yes, microcephaly. Not, yes,
1: not only the virus. For example, we live in a, in a hyperendemic country for dengue. And uh, it is very important to verify if there is some kind of reactivity from mothers that had dengue and uh, maybe the antibodies, dengue antibodies, are helping the, that the... Uh, virus can invade the, the placental barrier.
0: Sure. Yeah, these are all hypotheses, aren't they, aren't they that need further investigation, further yes. research. And
1: also the genetic of the population, no? because uh, uh, according to the, the experience from Colombia, they have 3,000 pregnants uh, that confirmed the, with Zika and they are not seeing microcephaly. That
0: was my final question to you. And again, this is speculation. We do not know the answer why. But it seems odd that the microcephaly cases, they are clustered in particular regions, whereas Zika infection is rife across South America and Central America. So one would have thought we would be seeing microcephaly in many more places. Yes.
1: Uh, we we were expecting it, but uh, currently we uh, I don't know if we need, of course, the uh, uh, more cases. You no, know, for example, in Colombia, and start to see because we don't know the 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 tax rate of uh, number or how many cases of Zika you need to have. And the percentage of cases that will that will develop uh, microcephaly, the, the pregnant that will develop the, the fetus will have microcephaly. We don't have yet this information, and so maybe it's a matter of time that maybe Colombia will start to to see it. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's uh, genetic, the genetic of the population, in, in, for example, in the north, we, because we are seeing more microcephaly in the northeast of the country, in states uh, from the northeast. So I think that it, it's very important that some genetic studies uh, is, must be conducted in these uh, pregnants and this population to try to see if there is some marker. No, that could explain why we are seeing too many cases of microcephaly in uh, special uh, areas. No? In,
0: in clusters, like in northeastern yeah. part of Brazil. Absolutely, yeah. and, and of course,